Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With the draft less than two weeks away, Larry D returns to pull back the curtain, along with draft expert Scott Wright, to see which way the Bears should be leaning when they go on the clock in the first round of the NFL Draft. Will the dominoes fall the Bears' way, or will they have to improvise? All of this and so much more on the 2018 Draft Preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Here we are, tis the season. For draft lovers everywhere, it's Christmas in April. And we are back to preview the 2018 NFL Draft. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back once again. And uh, in a few moments, we'll be joined by our friend Scott Wright. Uh, for those of you uh, that have been following me on social media, know we had some issues getting the show done last night. But we were able to hook up today, uh, this afternoon, and get it done. Uh, we had a great talk with him, covered a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of general draft talk and a lot of talk about the Bears, uh, what they should do, you know, how the spot at eight is kind of wide open for the Bears to go in a lot of places because, you know, the Bears did a really good job in the offseason of filling those holes that were, you know, gaping holes last year on the offensive side with the addition of Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel, uh, Trey Burton and such to go along with Jordan Howard and um and Tariq Cohen and hopefully the emergence of Adam Shaheen hopefully he can get into the mix with whatever Matt Nagy and 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 company have in store uh for the offense and it's the the defense that maybe needs a little more help in the draft uh adding some of those young bodies uh to it uh we talk about all of that and so much more when when we get to Scott right here in just a few moments but um you know it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks um you know, it, it, we're we're getting we're gearing up for the the you know the Bears have gone into their first little uh, the mini camp started their off season uh, program uh, already rave reviews from our free agents about uh, you know how they feel and what's going on with the with the locker room and Kyle Long talking about how excited uh, everybody is and, and and whatnot so a lot of positive vibes coming out of Hallis Hall right now as we head into this all important draft will the Bears be able to add the final pieces that will kind of set them forth on a trajectory to have a good season uh, this year. Can they put the draft pieces together to be the, the final missing pieces to the puzzle that will put us on a path like the one the Rams and the Eagles uh, were able to enjoy uh, last year? You know, will that be something that happens or, you know, will we come away with a bunch of guys who are just going to get paid for a few years and then go off and, and uh, you know, pursue their degrees or whatever? But, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's real exciting. You know, goddamn the Bears for for putting us in this spot every year. They always seem to give us a reason uh, to be excited. You know, I mean, not everyone. And, and, and in a way, I feel lucky. And in the other ten, I feel cursed at the same time. It's like the Bears always give us a reason to be excited and happy about what's coming, despite the team that we have. 
Um, whereas a lot of fan bases, there's some really bitter fans of their teams that almost like hate watch them throughout the year and almost enjoy watching them choke their ass and lose week after week because they feel like they deserve it and then all kind of thing. And I'm not one of those guys. I hope you're not one of those uh, people uh, out there or anything like that. And um, before we get down to business, I have some, uh, some gratitude to dish out there. Um, for those of you who have uh, been, you know, to, again, follow me on social media, you know, or will be uh, seeing uh, online. I posted a video on the Chicago Bears Review Facebook page and also on the Chicago Bears Review uh, Twitter feed, uh, a video of me sending my, my thanks and my gratitude and showing the spoils of me having some of the best listeners on the planet, if not the best. Um, will Hunter and Eric McCubbin uh, were generous enough to... Uh, to send me some gifts, some presents, uh, if you will. Um, Eric uh, also listens to my Back to Zero podcast, the one that's uh, following my slow-going uh, weight loss uh, journey. I've been talking several uh, episodes about wanting to get a, uh, a crock pot or a slow cooker, uh, something that will help me do better with my meal planning and things like that. And what shows up in the mail uh, on Monday but a Chicago Bears logo emblazoned uh, crock pot. And uh, so... Plan on getting a lot of miles out of that thing uh, as well. So thank you, Eric, uh, for that. And um, Will Hunter sending all the way from Hawaii uh, a Chicago Bears helmet, which I have right here on my desk next to me. I still have no idea what this autograph is. All I know it's it's J uh, some type of gibberish number 36. And I've been scouring my brain as a Bear fan trying to figure out who the hell number 36 was. Um, and the ones that I can remember being 36 don't fit this. this I mean, it's, it looks like J something number 36. And, um, you know, it's almost like, I, I think this might not even be a bear. I, I don't even know, but, um, nonetheless, I don't know who it is, but the helmet is awesome. It is a full sized NFL regulation Riddell helmet with the whole bears on the back pad and the C logos and all that. This thing is just awesome. Oh, yeah, and he also sent me his Xbox One that he said he didn't need uh, anymore. So I have an Xbox One now. Um, funny how that all works out. Here I was thinking about saving up to finally just go ahead and get one. And then one of you guys, one of you awesome people, uh, sends me one. So now all I got to do is get hooked up on Xbox Live or whatever it is uh, for that. And, uh, you know, we can start going round for round on some Madden when the new one comes out uh, and all the rest of that stuff. So, um you know, these are really great things and, and uh, you know, and I love them all and things that I plan on, on using a lot. I don't know how I'm going to plan on using the helmet a lot, but it will always be at the desk, especially when I'm recording these episodes, you know, the Chicago Bear helmet. So thank you, Eric. Thank you, uh, Will. And thank you, everyone, um, you know, for all your years of support. This is season number 12 of the Chicago Bears Review, the first one being back in 07. And, um you know, this is why I do it. Not because you guys send me gifts, but because you are out there listening to me and this is how you guys support me. You know, you guys answer, answer my tweets on, on, on Twitter and, you know, you throw in your comments and things I say on the Facebook page and it just makes it all worth it because I don't make a dime doing this. This is me. Uh, you know, I went to college to do this. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for me that way in, in, the, in the real world that I'd be able to do this for a living. But uh, thankfully, we still have this avenue that I have to share this with you. And I thank you all for, for being here to listen. And that's why I still do it. So 
Uh, thank you again to uh, Will and Eric for your generosity and for everyone else for, for being there and supporting me and the Chicago Bears Review. So now that we've got that out of the way, big news coming out of, uh, you know, Chicago these days. Um, you know, the news and notes section uh, for the Bears. We signed a couple of players. Um, one was uh, John Jenkins, the defensive lineman, kind of our backup nose tackle. The Bears decided to bring him back uh, on a one-year deal. And uh, the, the interesting signing yesterday, uh, the Bears signed wide receiver Benny Fowler from the D, from the Denver Broncos. More of a special teams guy, but had a pretty decent year last year. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. You're like 35 catches, uh, caught a few touchdown passes, uh, for the Broncos, couldn't have been easy because they had a very similar quarterback situation uh, last year. The guy that they brought in that was supposed to be the starter wasn't all that great. They kind of went back and forth with their quarterbacks last year. I don't know what their injury situation was with their wide receivers like ours was, but believe me, Benny Fowler was not in those plans uh, for them, but he did a good enough job that he's attracted some attention. He'll probably be more of a special teams guy for us um, in Chicago, but uh, one that... Um, Brock Olivo, our, our new special... That's not, that's not our special teams coordinator. Um, it's not Brock. Is it Brock Olivo? No. I don't know. I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm already sinking here. But anyway, uh, it just uh, somebody said Brock Olivo has experience with this guy. I thought maybe that was our special teams uh, coordinator. So, um, you know, anyway, I'm an idiot. So we'll just move on. Benny Fowler is going to be more of a special teams coordinator or uh, contributor uh, for us. Maybe uh, helping out in, in the... Uh, in the slot, a lot of people were touting this to be the replacement for the guy that we let go uh, this week, which would be the biggest headline uh, coming out of Hallis Hall this week, was the Bears declined to, uh, to match the offer sheet the New Orleans Saints uh, signed Cameron Meredith to five days, five, six days ago. Um, it was a two-year deal worth just under $10 million, 9.6, only $5.4 million guaranteed. And uh, the Bears thought it was a little too rich for their blood, and it, it creates an interesting, uh, uh, just a, a plethora uh, of questions. Um, but I think the, uh, the most obvious uh, question slash statement that you want to make was, you know, did they ever really plan on bringing Cameron Meredith back in the first place? And I think that the answer becomes more apparent when you look at how the Bears handled this. Um, number one, the, um, he's, in, he's, under, he's an undrafted free agent, coming into his fourth year. So he's in a restricted free agent year, which means the Bears basically have first, they have the, the right to do the, you know, the, the restricted um, tender, restricted free agent tender. Uh, Josh Bellamy signed his, so he's coming back. The, with, with him being undrafted, um, the Bears uh, had the option of doing an original round tender or a second round tender 
uh, for Cameron Meredith. And the difference between those two numbers was only a million dollars. It was 1.9 million for an original round tender, 2.9 million uh, for a second round tender. And the second round tender would have given the Bears a second round pick if the same scenario falls into place. The Saints decide they had to have uh, Cameron Meredith. They have to cough up a second round pick um, if the Bears decide not to, to match the offer. Um, for a guy that, granted, was out with an injury last year, but who was our best receiver back in 2016, a team that still had Alshon Jeffrey on it, um, you know, he, he was our most productive or most reliable receiver at times uh, in 2016. <laughs> you would think he would be worth the second round tender, especially he was undrafted. This is a guy that's only a few years into playing that position. He was a college quarterback for, for his entire career at Illinois state. This is a hometown guy. I mean, talk about a story that, you know, is just writing itself uh, kind of thing. You, you know, grew up in the Chicago suburbs. He stayed in state to go to Illinois state was a quarterback. Couldn't find his way into the pros as a quarterback, during his pro day, he does some wide receiver things. He turns some heads, lands on his hometown squad uh, as a wide receiver, a position he has little to no experience playing. Boom, here he is with the Bears. He gets some opportunity because of some injuries, and he makes the most of those opportunities, and here he is. you know. And the Bears had a chance to basically lock him up because nobody would have signed him if they put the second-round tender on him for only $2.9 million. And this is for a team that was going into that process with even after signing Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton and everybody, we still had 27, you know, 27 to 33 million in cap space left over. So 2.9 million is a drop in the bucket uh, for the Bears. And it would have locked Cameron Meredith up to guarantee he'd be in Chicago for at least that one more year to see if he's, uh, you know, if, if he can recover from that knee injury that he suffered. And, um, you know, then he hits real free agency in, in 2019 and see where we go from there maybe he's playing so well the Bears sign him to an extension before the free agent period starts and, and all the rest of that instead they sign him to an original round tender which for an undrafted free agent would be you know there was no round but only 1.9 million dollars leaving him open um and the, the caveat there being that the Bears receive no compensation whatsoever if they decline to match another offer sheet which is exactly what happened and I think that kind of says everything that there is to say right there the Bears were willing to let Cameron Meredith go and test the waters. Um, they were willing to let Cameron Meredith go and see what the rest of the league thinks that he's worth. And, you know, I think overall they were just willing to let him go. And uh, I think the Bears would have happily signed Meredith uh, to that $1.9 million uh, restricted free agent tender if he wasn't getting the kind of offers that he wanted or that he was looking for or hoping for. Uh, instead, um, he found one from New Orleans, turned down a deal from the Ravens, from what I hear. So he had some offers out there. Some people are intrigued by his potential. And uh, for, uh, you know, the, the whole, you know, 5.4 million guaranteed and the 9.6 over two years was a little too rich for the Bears. And, um, you know, if, if you look at it a little bit deeper, um, who would know better about what's going on with Cameron Meredith's knees than the Bears? Uh, and the progress that is made and, and from what uh, what I read on, on Twitter from Adam Schefter is that the Bears move to decline the uh, offer sheet to match the offer sheet was a medical decision because not a not a production or a we don't like this kid or anything like that. Apparently, they're just not as high on the uh, on the medical situation as teams like the Ravens and the Saints are. 
Um, and now Cameron Meredith, the hometown guy from the Chicagoland area, is headed south to the Bayou to play with uh, Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. So, you know, I'm not really happy about it, to be honest with you. I'm not so devastated that I'm cursing Ryan Pace or, or anything like that. I think that the decision was made the moment that they that they signed him or, or that they tendered the uh, the the original free agent offer. Um, that was basically all they were willing to sign Cameron Meredith to, in my opinion. I think that's what they were doing, um, and you know, because Ryan Pace is catching a lot of heat as far as how the situation was handled. If you go two point nine million, you guarantee he comes back, and I think maybe there's your answer right there. You know, for only an extra million dollars in, in a year where we have more than enough cap space. I mean, we had 10 times the amount of cap space that was required to make a $2.9 million offer. And yet we still went with the original tender and let him test the water. So, so I, I think that says everything that we need to say, that we were willing to let him go. Uh, and we were only going to keep him on our terms. And our terms, of course, being that $1.9 million uh, restricted free agent tender. Uh, I'm not happy about that. I would have loved to see what Meredith could do in this offense surrounded by uh, a Taylor Gabriel and an Allen Robinson and, you know, Trey Burton and, you know, what he could have done not being the only target you know the Bears are throwing to. I mean, that was the thing that got really challenging for Meredith in 2016 was that we knew that, you know, Hoyer or Barkley or, or Cutler were throwing to Meredith. He's the only guy that's getting open or the only guy worth throwing the damn ball to. Uh, at times so I mean that's where things got testy for him and he still ended up with nearly 900 yards and 66 catches and you know a, a handful of touchdowns uh, and whatnot and uh, you know I would have loved to see what he could have been able to do with actual you know talent around him like maybe he would have thrived in the offense where you know the defense is worried about Taylor Gabriel or Burton or maybe even Allen Robinson and that leaves Cam Meredith wide open down the middle of the field to uh, to you know to eat the defense up you know, the potential for what could have been um, was exciting. And the downside to it, number one, is losing this guy that was making such a great story for himself with his hometown team uh, and all that kind of stuff. It also creates a hole at number two in the wide receiver spot. Because I know that, or at least the original plan was that Gabriel, Taylor Gabriel, was going to be more of a slot guy as opposed to an outside number two uh, to go along with Allen Robinson. And now... Um, that's not there anymore. So I think maybe the Bears are more comfortable with Kevin White or or at least Matt Nagy is. Maybe he's a better fit in the system. I mean, there's that system talk again where, you know, people were wondering if, if the Bears are looking to trade Jordan Howard because he might not be the best system fit in Nagy's offense and all the rest of that nonsense. You know, it looks like Kevin White's going to get an actual legitimate shot at making this uh, making this football team or at least being a starter again in what will be the last year of his contract that cannot see the Bears um uh optioning or you know taking that fifth year option uh with him because that number one that practically doubles his his yearly salary for a guy that hasn't anywhere near earned uh that fifth year option which will you know when it hikes your salary into like the top 10 at your position and uh wide receivers are making a lot of money these days and kevin white isn't at that so kevin white's going to be kyle fuller uh playing on the last year of his rookie contract and looking to earn a second so Maybe the motivation and the frustration and what have you for Kevin White um, is is there, and maybe he'll have a monster year alongside Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel. One can only hope, but that's what it kind of looks like right now, that the Bears were more secure in what could happen with Kevin White than than what they like to see about the, the whole knee situation with uh, 
with Cameron Meredith. Uh, I hope it all works out. I'm not rooting against anybody here. I'm sad to see Cameron Meredith go. I'm sad that we won't be able to find out what happens, um, you know, with him being a part of this offense and what could be the potential of it. But them's the ropes in the NFL. And uh, I do ask Scott Wright about that in our conversation about the draft. Um, Does the hole that Cameron Meredith leave behind change the Bears' draft plans at least in the second round? Like maybe the Bears were thinking – you know, maybe O-line or secondary and pass rusher in the first two rounds, does the absence of a Cameron Meredith uh, now push that to like maybe the Bears are looking to take a, a wide receiver in round two instead of waiting until day three because we don't have a third-round pick because of the Trubisky trade. We don't have a third-round pick, so day two is the second round at number 39, and that's it, unless, of course, you know, something happens with trades uh, and whatnot. The second round, day two, is number 39, and that's it for the Bears. Will they go and get that wide receiver? Because there could be a lot of potential like first-round talent guys in the top half of that second round. Or do we take our chances and maybe find like a Simi Cobbs or, or, or uh, Equinomius, I think his name, the wide receiver from Notre Dame in day three? Will those guys still be there for the Bears to pick up to find a, fill that Cameron Meredith hole? Uh, if you will. So we talked about that and a lot more. Uh, One more thing I want to talk about before we get to Scott Wright is that the uh, preseason schedule is out. Uh, Came out earlier this week. Uh, No definitive dates. There are only two games that actually have solid, concrete dates right now. Uh, The first one of the preseason, obviously, we talked about it before. Thursday, August the 2nd versus the Baltimore Ravens in the Hall of Fame game. So when the... uh, NFL is inducting Brian Urlacher and Ray Lewis into the Hall of Fame uh, this year. Uh, The Bears and the Ravens, their respective franchises, will do battle to kick off the entire NFL season with the Hall of Fame game on Thursday, August 2nd. Uh, Week 2 of the preseason has the Bears on the road at Cincinnati, taking on the Bengals. Uh, Week 3, which is actually still kind of Week 2, if you will, uh, for the because uh, it's not the dress rehearsal game, it's still uh, week because it's still week two for the rest of the NFL. The Ravens and the Bears, the only ones playing that fifth game. Uh, we're at the Denver Broncos uh, for the third preseason game, which will still be kind of technically week two, I guess. I don't know how that works, but uh, dress rehearsal for the second time in three years at home in Chicago against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, an interesting matchup considering that's where Nagy came from. Uh, he'll be coaching against his his mentor and Andy Reid in that one in, quite frankly, the most important preseason game of the year. And then to wrap it up, uh, the only other date that has a early other game that has a concrete date right now, Thursday, August 30th at home against the Buffalo Bills. And uh, if you kind of noticed two things that jump right out at me, number one, those are all AFC teams. So a full AFC slate of preseason games and two, no Cleveland Browns. We do not play the Cleveland Browns for the first time, I think, I read online since 2003. We're not finishing the preseason uh, with them. And um, maybe that's a good thing. We can finally wash the stink of the Cleveland Browns off of us as we enter the regular season uh, with that very meaningless fourth preseason game, which is just, you know, that game serves to, to figure out who the two players 50, you know, who, who players like 45 through 53 uh, are going to be. There's not a whole lot of jobs still available uh, when that fourth game is being played. You're just going to find out who your special teams and, and role player guys are going to be uh, in that one. So 
for the scheme of things, as far as the regular season is concerned, not that much of an important game. And we're not playing it against the Browns for the first time. I believe it said 2003. So very long time since the Bears have closed out a year with somebody other than Cleveland. And it will be the Bills uh, this time around. So anyway, that is going to do it for our little news and notes segment uh, section. Um, we had a very good conversation with Scott Wright. Lots of good information being tossed around there. Lots of opinions on which way the Bears should go. We talked a lot about the quarterback class and the pass rushers and uh, everything in between. So without further ado, it's me and my good friend Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com talking about the 2018 NFL Draft. Tis the season, it's uh, mid to late April, and we're getting towards the one of the last milestones of the NFL offseason, or at least the last real exciting part of it anyway. Of course, we're talking about the 2018 NFL Draft, and as always, to help us uh, clear, you know, navigate these muddy waters that is the draft, Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com. Scott, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be back, and it's an exciting time for for fans of the NFL draft here. It's it's the final countdown, if you will, and uh, and this is the fun part of the process now too. Well, it's all fun, but this is really fun because a lot of the hay is in the barn, pretty much in terms of the evaluations. We know the player pool. We know who are the early, middle, late rounders. Now it's matching up the players with the the remaining teams that have needs at those positions. Uh, what they didn't address in free agency so um th- that's really what the final two three four even four weeks of of the lead up to the draft is and um you know we're trying to figure it out just like the nfl teams are what's going to be their priority what's the best fit and match in terms of the value and their needs based on where their picks are so um you know that's where we are right now you know something i've always wanted to ask you and i kind of wish that i'd asked you leading up so maybe you could try to get a a stat on this if you don't already have one but for all the draft experts, you know, they put out their mock drafts and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, you can't anticipate who's going to trade for what and when because there's always surprises. Like last year, nobody saw the Bears trading up in, you know, Kansas City and, and uh, uh, you know, whoever, uh, Kansas City and who was the other one that traded up for the quarterback? Houston. Thank you. Oh, oh Houston. Kansas City. Kansas yeah. City yeah. and, um, uh, yeah, Houston that traded up for quarterbacks last year, and I don't think anyone saw it yep. going down the, the way it did. Browns that traded down. Right, exactly, and that's that's who I, I couldn't get the Browns out of my head for some reason. I was like, I know it's not, I know it's not Cleveland. They're the one to give up the pick, but the Browns are always in the mix. Right, but I mean, like, do you have any idea what your your batting percentage is about? You know, nailing the picks on who went where or anything like that. Yeah, I, I don't know it off the top of my head but i can tell you you can go to the huddle report.com and and they track all this you can check the mock draft scores not only do they have last year which was kind of a down year for me to be honest uh <laughs> but they also have the uh averages over i think five years okay and, and i'm number seven overall on that so very nice. proud of that i'm nice. one of the few that have won the mock draft contest so when you go to that page you'll see the little trophy next to my name so uh i've actually won the mock draft contest and the top 100 contest one of the few to have done that but uh yeah go to the huddle report.com they're kind of the gold standard for tracking that and uh you know i, I i'm proud of how my my results stack up especially you know the consistency that's that's the big deal you know everybody can have a good year or even a couple of good years but it's the consistency over the years that I kind of pride myself on. Right, yeah. I mean, those things, you know, almost never go the way that you think they will. 
um, which is one of the reasons I liked your mock draft, uh, the last one that you put out uh, just a few days ago on the 11th. Um, you're one of the few people that doesn't have like four quarterbacks immediately coming off of the the board. As a matter of fact, after Sam Darnold goes one, you slam the brakes on pick number two, and Bradley Chubb goes to the Giants, even though the first sentence in that paragraph, this place, this spot screams trade to me. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I only have three quarterbacks in the top five overall picks. Right. Uh, I, I think, and, and like you said, that, that Giants spot screams trade to me as well. And uh, I, But from what I've gathered, it's going to take a lot for them to trade down. It's going to take a King's Ransom, especially if they were to move down as, say, far as the Bills at number 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if Buffalo wanted to do that, they might even have to make it a multiple-step type thing to trade up. Maybe they make a deal with Indy at six and then jump up again to – to make a deal with the Giants, but if the Giants stay there, I think they are taking Bradley Chubb, the defensive end from North Carolina State. They absolutely love him. He addresses a big need. He plays a premium position, and uh, that that organization, Dave Gettleman, during their glory days, uh, it, you know, under Eli Manning, basically, the pass rush was the king. Uh, even though they had Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck, they used first round picks on Matthias Kiwanuka, Jason Pierre-Paul. So. Um, I think that's going to be Chubb if they stay there, but uh, if they deal out, I mean, yeah, we could see quarterbacks go one, two, three, and five. And you don't think that this pick would be Barkley for any reason? You think it'd be Chubb or trade down? I don't believe it would be Barkley. From what I'm told, they have pretty similar grades on Chubb, Barkley, and Quentin Nelson. Hmm. Um, but, you know, the positional value, I think, weighs into it and the organizational priorities. And as I said, they are just big fans of Chubb. He was recently in there for a visit and, and really knocked it out of the park. Okay. And then, um, you know, we, we've talked before um, about, uh, you know, t- teams making trades and, and putting themselves in a position to get their quarterbacks uh, and everything, and uh, you've always stated that's kind of been your your mo as far as you can never pay too much for a franchise quarterback. But do you think that the Jets paid a little too much to move up three spots? I mean, they gave up what three number twos, and or was that all they gave up was three number twos? I know there was a like the the, the like. Are you a subscriber at all to the Jimmy Johnson value chart? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't even have an opinion as to whether it's right or wrong. I just know that that's what the NFL teams use, and that's what they go by. So that's what I use. And and by and large, if you look at the trades that go down during the draft, they match up pretty closely with that a lot of times. Really? They I really just, do. Yeah. I just thought maybe the Jets just handed the 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 Colts their 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 key to you know rebuilding their team three second round picks. That's a lot of high level talent that the Colts are going to get their their hands on and. You know, they've got, what, three second-round picks just this year alone because the Jets had two and gave them both to Indianapolis. I think this is one of those cases where it was a good deal for both teams. Of course, the Colts now, they have as many needs as any team in the NFL, so they need to restock. And with those two extra second-round picks this year and a second-round pick next year, those are starting-level players. And and especially the three second-rounders they have this year now, those are plug-and-play starters. So it was a good move for them because, let's face it, they don't need a quarterback. That's why they're willing to move down. And, And the Jets... There's no, like you say, you can't overpay. I've always said you cannot overpay for a good franchise quarterback. And uh, and now, of course, it's going to depend on who they take there. If they take the pl- a player who winds up busting, it's going to look back, be, be looked back upon as a bad deal. But if the quarterback they take hits, uh, it would have been worth 100 times what they paid, uh, realistically. That's how valuable a good starting quarterback is to an organization. And over the years, I, I kind of said there's nothing more valuable than a, a good starting quarterback, and I've had to amend that. Uh, there's nothing more valuable than a good starting quarterback 
on a rookie contract because right. it just gives you so much flexibility to fill in the team around you. We've seen the Seahawks do that with Russell Wilson and ride it to a Super Bowl. We saw the Eagles just recently do it with Carson Wentz. So uh, there's no price you can pay that wouldn't be worth it as long as you get a good quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I applaud the Jets for doing that, and it'll be interesting. The, the interesting angle of that trade for me is why the Jets would move up to just three. Do they do they think the Browns and Giants aren't going to take their guy or they aren't going to trade, or do they – uh, do they like Baker Mayfield and think, well, Baker's not going to be the first or second quarterback taken, so we know we're going to get him at three. That's all the higher we have to go. Or maybe even Josh Rosen, for that matter. So that's the kind of interesting aspect of that trade, I, especially Baker Mayfield. I've heard him linked to them, and as I noted in the new mock draft, I like the sound of Broadway Baker. So <laughs> it make, th- that make, tends to make me believe that there could be some truth to that smoke, behind that smoke, because... Um, it would explain why they are comfortable moving up to to just number three. And speaking of Rosen, um, looking through your mock draft, I was wondering where the hell he was, and then all of a sudden <laughs> there he was at twelve, uh, going to the Buffalo Bills. The first of they have two first round picks, right? They do. They yeah. Have so twelve and 12. twelve and twenty one. 22, 12 and okay. 22, yeah. Right, and, and, you know, we got Rosen. two Go seconds ahead. and two thir- also two second rounders and two third rounders. Wow. Yeah, so it's going to be a busy uh, busy draft uh, weekend for them. And I mean, it also gives them a lot of leeway to move up because I've been hearing some rumors about them trying to get number two from the Giants. I mean, you know, what do you think it would take to go and, and get that? Would it take pretty much all those picks to get up there, or what do you think? It's going to take a lot, I mean, especially to go up that far. Uh, I think three the, the base is three first-rounders. And I was texting with an agent the other day, and he sent me a potential deal that had, like, both of these first rounders, obviously, uh, a third rounder this year and a second rounder next year. And I said, as much as that sounds, that doesn't sound like enough for me. I said, I think it's going to take three first rounders. And he said, he just replied, that's a three first rounders is a tough ask. And it is, but that's the price, to, especially to jump up that far, and especially for a quarterback. So I think that's what it would take. Plus, I mean, it would take three first rounders plus some other goodies with those multiple seconds and thirds they have this year. But um, if you're the Buffalo Bills, if you're if you have a conviction on a guy, I say go get him. And as you said, I have them taking Rosen at number twelve. Ultimately, I don't think he will fall that far. I think they're going to have to move up a little bit uh, to get one of these quarterbacks. Uh, Lamar Jackson could be in the mix for them as well. Uh, but they certainly have more than enough draft capital uh, to do whatever they want on draft day. It's just a matter of whether they're willing to pay the price. And I do, though, think Rosen is going to be the fourth quarterback off the board, even though he's my clear-cut number two, and uh, and I would be taking him if I needed a quarterback in the top three or five overall. My board would be Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. Uh, and then, to me, there's a pretty big drop-off after those two. But um, I think the, the personality quirks whatever how whatever term you want to put on it uh i think is going to scare off enough teams that he is going to be the fourth quarterback drafted even though you can make a really strong argument that he's the most talented and pro ready and the the personality quirk you were talking about is that this is the one guy who probably doesn't seem like he needs football he just happens to be good at it yeah i mean some have some have termed him a millennial which is i I think kind of broad and cliched but um yeah i mean he's just he doesn't think like the normal football player um and and if you're one of these old school grizzled football guys he's probably going to turn you off Uh, I think he's going to need the right situation and the right coach I think he needs a Sean McVay type of guy that's going to come in and be able to relate to him 
Um, but but boy, it, it, he is really talented, and and I wouldn't bet against him because now he's been a high level athlete in a couple of sports. He was a tennis prodigy coming up, and uh, I I think he is the real deal. And the concern is, of course, the the, the his potential fatal flaw, which all these quarterbacks have, is does he have that Jeff George, Jay Cutler gene? Hmm. Where he just slings the ball all over the place, and you know, results be damned, kind of thing. And, and not only that, just his personality-wise, where he's not ah, a leader of men. Uh, okay. His teammates don't relate to him, rally to him. Um, and it's not to say he's a bad person or anything, right. but uh, you know, he might not be that true alpha that, that you have to be at that position. So, you know, in, in, in talking about Saquon Barkley, um, looking at your, your big board, you're one of the few draft experts that I've come across in this, in this, uh, you know, this offseason going into the draft that doesn't have him as the number one prospect on the board. You have Quentin Nelson as number one uh, overall as, the, as your top prospect. Why did you go that route? Well, I'm really stingy with my elite grade. Right. Uh, this year, only two players got it, and they are Quentin Nelson and Saquon Barkley. So uh, I, I just think as an offensive lineman, Quentin Nelson's uh, a, a, a little safer prospect. And I've been covering the NFL draft, evaluating the NFL draft for 20 years now, and, and Nelson's the best true guard I've seen. He's he is the total package, but the Barkley's no slouch himself. Uh, he is a special prospect at that position, and if you're so inclined to use the top five pick on a running back, he's the type of player you do it uh, on. And, and I think the success in recent years of, of Todd Gurley and, and Zeke Elliott and Leonard Fournette has made it a lot more palatable to, to take a guy like Barkley that early. And, and in that grouping, I would probably put him personally just behind Fournette as prospects coming out of college. So um, he's the real deal, and, and he's going to go in the top five. And what do you think about Lamar Jackson? I mean, this is a guy that, um, you know, freshman Heisman Trophy winner, you know, had, you know, was, and also had a great season last year as well. He was a Heisman finalist again, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how they want him, uh, they being the NFL teams, maybe talking to him about being the next Cordell Stewart where he played quarterback, but maybe he's one of those athlete types that comes in and does a slash type thing. Is he an NFL quarterback, or will he eventually have to go the Cordell Stewart route if he wants to have a career in the league? He's an NFL quarterback, and uh, I think the talk of him moving to wide receiver is absurd, and I think that's part of the reason why he has not run a 40-yard dash during this pre-draft process. Right. Uh, we, we know he's fast, so it's not a big deal, but I think he doesn't want to feed into that, um, that, that position change because he is a quarterback, and I see the comparisons to Michael Vick. I really do. I'm old enough to remember Michael Vick coming out of college, and uh, Lamar Jackson's a bigger, he's more filled out, he's more physically developed, and he's a more polished passer than Vick. Uh, and like Michael Vick, I don't think he's ever going to be the type of player who has this incredible completion percentage, but the, the things he contributes don't show up in the box scores, but they translate to winning football by and large. So uh, when I was doing my last mock draft, I was kind of debating where to put him, and, and I did two versions. I did one with him going 15 to the Cardinals and one with him falling to the Saints at 27, and I made some calls around, and it sounds like 15 is a lot more reasonable with his draft stock than late round one. Uh, I think he's going to go somewhere in that top half of the first round. Uh, I think he's a better prospect than coming out than Deshaun Watson was a year ago, who went 12th overall. So um, I think he's a quarterback prospect, but he's more of a commitment because you're really going to have to commit to him philosophically and kind of build the team around his his admittedly, admittedly unique but also rare skill set. 
And Quentin Nelson, um, you know, um, I like where your head is at because in your mock draft, you have Quentin Nelson landing in Chicago. Now, a lot of Bear fans are for this. Uh, a lot of them are against it just because they're thinking impact player and guard does not scream impact player. But I think he definitely could be if that's where he landed, you know, with us in Chicago. Yeah, and, and Zach Martin's certainly been an impact player for the Cowboys. And, right. and those and, and the, I asked Quentin Nelson about this, too. I interviewed him for the site, and I said the case people are going to make against you is positional value. You play offensive guard. You're not a blindside protector, the left tackle, the, the, the show well, showies that gets along the offensive line. Uh, but he said, hey, somebody's got to block Aaron Donald. Somebody's got to block Geno Atkins, Fletcher right. Cox, all these great interior pass rushers. and. Uh, you know, I think anybody who watches football understands that the edge pass rushers get a lot of the glory, but the the, the inside pass rushers all actually frustrate the quarterbacks more. So having a guy who can just not only neutralize them but dominate them, like Nelson, I think is a, a, an extremely valuable commodity. And and if I'm the Bears, I'm hoping he's there for me at number eight, just because I, obviously I'm very high on him. I think he's the best player in the whole draft, regardless of position, but. If he's gone, I don't know that I love the other options for the Bears there. And, you know, that kind of leads me into what I was going to ask you next, was that there's been some talk for the Bear, about the Bears that if um, that their two prized targets going into the, into the draft are Denzel Ward, the, the corner from Ohio State, and Quentin Nelson, and that if they're both gone, that, they should, that they'll most likely be looking to uh, trade down. Do you have any... You know qualms on on who their who their best trade partner might be in that position. Like if if Nelson and Ward are gone at eight, who do you see jumping up to try to take who's next off that board? Well, quarterbacks obviously, right? Sure. Um, I mean the Miami Dolphins they've been linked to Baker Mayfield, so if Mayfield is still there, maybe they could jump up. The Buffalo Bills certainly, if they haven't already, they're still need that quarterback and have. Lots of picks. The Arizona Cardinals at 15. And, and who knows? Maybe it'll be a complete wild card. Nobody a year ago at this time was talking about the, the Kansas City Chiefs trading a future first-round pick to jump up from the end of the first round into the top dozen picks, to, uh, top 10 overall, in fact, to get Patrick Mahomes. So maybe we see something crazy like that. Uh, the Chargers, I think, are looking for a long-term solution at the position. Uh, uh, the New England Patriots, even. They, they have multiple picks now. They have four picks in the top 64. Yeah. And they need their parent to Tom Brady. They, too, have been linked to Baker Mayfield. I don't see that happening. But, you know, we, we could see some crazy things. So this is a type of year where usually I always caution, well, everybody wants to trade down. Who wants to move up? This is the year there's so many teams that need quarterbacks. There could be a market for that number eight pick. And uh, and, and if Nelson's gone, I think the Bears, the Bears should listen. And, you know, I, I like Denzel Ward, but. I'd lean trade down over taking Denzel Ward, I think, at number eight overall. Interesting. You know, I mean, if, if 2017 proved anything to everyone, it's that um, even though there are 32 starting quarterback positions, there aren't exactly 32 starting quarterback-worthy uh, quarterbacks in the league, or at least there weren't last year. I mean, healthy ones. Anyway, a lot of people went down with, with injury. The Bears had to suffer through that through the first quarter of the season with Mike Lennon before we finally handed it over to, or before we had to, I should say, uh, pitch it over to Mitch Trubisky to try to take it on uh, from there. But it's like so many teams in need of a quarterback, and yet this is one of the more quarterback-rich drafts we've had uh, in a while. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on, on this, like the, the unpredictability of the first round and people somehow getting desperate and probably making moves they normally wouldn't make to get that quarterback if they start coming off the board. 
Especially because there's, I, I mean, I have five going to the top half of the first round, and I think Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State has a chance to sneak into the back end of round one. If not, he's going to go somewhere early to mid-round two. And then there's such a big drop-off after that. And in my opinion, at least, the rest of the players you're going to be talking about are guys that you would consider to be either A, career backups, or B, long-term developmental types. Uh, so... If you need a quarterback, there's it's nice to have so many options earlier this year. There's six. There's years where you struggle to find a couple of really good ones, so it's nice to have six of them, but they're going to come off the board early and often. So if you need one, you better be aggressive and go get them. And, and I think that's been the trend in the NFL draft in recent years, going back to, to the, the Rams and the Eagles with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Last year we've discussed how the, the Chiefs and Texans traded up for Pat Mahomes and uh, Deshaun Watson. So uh, I think that's the trend nowadays. And, and we just saw the Jets make a big move up the board, and, and I don't think we're done yet. So uh, and, and I think I, I applaud that strategy. I think that's what you have to do. Figure out which guy you're, you have a conviction on and, and go get him. And, and if he doesn't work out, do it again. One other thing I wanted to get your opinion on, that Jets indie trade. Did they do it too soon? You know, kind of showing their hand by making the move a full month before the – the, even probably more than that, actually. But, I mean, they, they made that move with so much time before the draft at number three when there's still room a space between one and two. I mean, they could still potentially not get the guy that they're after, and they made this move so early before the draft took place. Yeah, and that kind of leads back to what we were talking about earlier, that maybe they have an, an orthodox choice at that spot where they know is going to be there. They, they know Baker Mayfield's not going to go in the top two, so, hey, it, the three is fine. Uh, we, we're more than comfortable there. We got ahead of Denver, which is probably what they needed to do if Baker Mayfield is their target. So I think that could play into it. Or or maybe they just figure, hey, there's at least three quarterbacks in this draft we like. Uh, worst case scenario, we'll be happy with it. So I guess those would be the two scenarios. I'd probably lean more towards the former than the latter. I tend to think that maybe they just identified uh, – maybe it's Josh Rosen. He would qualify the same as Baker Mayfield. I, I think both of those guys are likely to be there at number three overall, and if one of them is their target, they went up as far as they needed to, maybe even further than they needed to. Right, so you don't think that the Giants are thinking quarterback at number two? I really don't, um, and, and I amended that slightly to say, well, if the Browns don't take Sam Darnold number one, that might make the Giants hesitate, and if they were going to take a quarterback, I think it would only be Darnold, even though now I've heard from pretty reliable sources that they also like Josh Allen but I tend to think that's a little bit of smoke. I think uh, a lot of the talk around Josh Allen are, is trying to get teams like the Buffalo Bills to to maybe trade up and trying to generate a trade market. But I just think the, the Giants taking a quarterback at number two would create an untenable situation with Eli Manning. Uh, Eli has made it very clear that he's ready to keep playing and he's not ready to be replaced. And in, 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 if the Giants use the most valuable commodity they have this offseason to bring in his replacement, who's not going to play for a few years... I just can't picture that going over well, not to mention the dimension of first time he throws a couple picks in a game, everyone's booing Eli, they want quarterback X to be thrown in there. So it's just not good for anybody, and they've made it pretty clear that they're committed to Eli. So ever since they hired Dave Gettleman, who's kind of an old-school Giants guy from the, the, the prime of Eli's career, I think it was pretty clear that the front office and ownership were in Eli's corner, and they're going to try to make it work with him. Now, with all that said, if I ran the Giants, my draft board at number two overall would be Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, and I'd be taking one of those two players. I, I think you have to secure the long-term future of that position, but I just don't think they're going to. Right, especially with the, uh, the unpredictability of what's coming next year. Does it, I mean, does it, I mean just to, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but does, 
2019 shaping up to be anything close to this as far as quarterback classes are concerned? No, I don't think we're going to have as many. Uh, and and are the Giants going to be within range to get one of them, even if right. it is as good of a class? I mean, it's a, it's a pretty rare opportunity to be picking a number two overall, and we see what the cost is to move up if you don't. Uh, it's it's uh, it's three second-round picks to move up a few spots from six to three, or it's three first-rounders and change to move up from the middle of the first round. It's a, it's a costly proposition. So when you have the opportunity, you should take it, but I just don't think the Giants will. Right, so... Let's uh, talk about the rest of the of the board here. You you have Quentin Nelson at number one. You have Barkley at uh, at two, uh, the running back out of uh, Penn State. And then Darnold is your first quarterback off the board. Then Bradley Chubb. I mean, you only have one quarterback in the top five. Um, and you know, looking at the rest of it, uh, I think there's only three in the top ten overall. So. You know what? What other position is is heavy uh, as as far as being top heavy? Is it offensive line? Is it the you know the defensive ends? What what's uh, what's another talent rich uh, uh, position that that maybe you know people can get, still get gems in the later rounds? Uh, yeah, and like you said with those quarterbacks, uh, Sam Darnold, he was the last player in consideration for that elite grade. Um, and a year from now, he probably would have gotten it. He's just uh, lacks that that overall polish to to give him that that bump up into that rarefied air, but. Um, yeah, he, he was the last guy under consideration, and uh, but then, like you said, I have a, a drop off then to Josh Rosen. Then I have another small drop off to Josh Allen from Wyoming, who's just outside my top ten overall. And then, uh, I mean, even though Baker Mayfield's probably going to go somewhere in the top five, certainly in the top ten, I think I have him at twenty one and back to back actually with Lamar Jackson from Louisville, who I kind of have top fifty grades on by the time you get into the the twenty range. Of course. Even though they're 32 first picks, there aren't always 32 first rounders. Right. Uh, but but other positions that are strong, the offensive line, you know, it lacks that flash guy at the top, that stud left tackle, uh, other than Quentin Nelson on the interior. But there's a range where there's just going to be incredible depth. And I think it's going to be probably in that 20 to 50 range, uh, late round one, early to mid round two. And whether you're looking for tackle, guard, center, there's going to be really intriguing players available at all those positions. Different styles, guys that bring different things to the table. But, uh, boy, if you need an offensive lineman, that's where you want to be picking. And uh, uh, maybe that's one of the reasons the Colts made that deal they did to get the extra second-round picks to take advantage of that. So I love that range. Running backs can be really deep again, as it always is. A lot of underclassmen came out. Uh, In terms of weaknesses, though, the one that really stands out to me, and it's kind of stood out throughout this process, and I've been waiting for more players to emerge, uh, is pass rusher defensive end i mean huh. bradley chubb is going to go really early number two uh, overall probably certainly in the top four but then i mean marcus davenport from U- texas antonio has emerged now he's going to be a first round pick but i think he's getting pushed up the board a little earlier than he should because he's still i think he showed the senior bowl very much still a project and he's going to require a little patience but then after him i mean i like sam hubbard from ohio state but i don't think most view him as a consensus first round pick and and even the guys that you get into later in the second round that you're going to be looking at, Josh Sweat from Florida State, Rasheem Green from USC, guys that you're drafting based more on potential than actual production. So, uh, boy, it's, that's not to say there isn't talent available in terms of the pass rushers this year, but, uh, boy, if you're looking for one of the, the early rounds, it's going to be very much a high-risk proposition. So, I mean, is, is, is Davenport one of those guys that has climbed up the board? Is he kind of like the the – 
the uh, the Shaquem Griffin type guy that their 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 combine just you know put them on the map and they're now they're three rounds higher than they were before. I mean, I didn't hear much about uh, Davenport, and then all of a sudden he's all over the first round in mock drafts. Yeah, and that happened to the Senior Bowl. Going into the Senior Bowl week, he I've been going to the Senior Bowl since 2005, I think it is, and, and going into that week, he, he had as much buzz as any prospect I can remember. And um, I remember seeing him that very first night, and he looks the part. I mean, he's a big frame kid, still very young. I said, talking with guys like him and Josh Allen, starting to make me feel old because they're baby face kids. Uh, but then during the week of practices, Davenport struggled a lot of times uh, until. It was odd. The last half an hour, 40 minutes or so, the very last practice down in Mobile, it's like a, a switch got flicked. And Davenport just started wreaking havoc, and he carried that over into the game. And we even talked about that. Will Davenport carry that over to the game? And sure enough, he did. He was a, a game wrecker uh, in the actual game down at the Senior Bowl. And uh, I think he was a second-round pick going into the Senior Bowl. Uh, I, I think coming out of it, he had worked his way into the first. And he's probably going to get pushed up half a round just because teams are so desperate for pass rushers, and, and he's got as much potential as anyone in this class, uh, including Bradley Chubb. I mean, he, he is a phenomenal physical talent. So I had him going number 20 to the Detroit Lions, but he might not even last that, last that long. Yeah, I was talking with a, with a friend of mine uh, about that on my last show, how uh, um, uh, the, the Marcus Davenport was kind of a name that had fallen on my radar just because I've, I've been looking at a lot of mock drafts. I, I love to do that kind of thing just to play the fantasy of it all, and – uh, you know, you have the Bears drafting at eight. There always seems to be about three or four different players that they end up taking. And then at nine or ten, it always seems that Davenport keeps coming off the board right after the Bears uh, are picking in, in about a handful or so of drafts that I was looking at. And it's like, you know, why this Davenport kid? I've never heard of him before. And then all of a sudden I find out he's from Texas, San Antonio. I was like, oh, that would be why, because he went to a school that nobody pays attention to. Yeah, the, the powerhouse UTSA. Um, right. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, and, and you can make an argument based on just sheer talent and upside that he belongs in the top dozen picks, especially considering the premium position he plays and right. how everybody's always looking for pass rushers. But, um, you know, he, there, there's a high degree of risk there with him as well. So um, it, th- th- that that's the thing that struck me, though, going through – and working out this last mock draft was just the the dearth of, of top pass rushers. I mean, you look at Arden Key from LSU. A year ago at this time, we were talking about him as maybe, oh, he's going to be the best pass rusher in this draft, but it's just been a nightmare past year for him. He's got off-the-field issues. He didn't perform very well this past season. Uh, I, not only do I not think he's going to be a round one pick, I'm not even sure he's going to be a top three round pick. He could still be there wow. on day three of the wow. draft, rounds four. So would that be a would that be a value type thing? Like if the Bears could snatch him up in the fourth round, kind of thing, or? Yeah, I mean it'd be a flyer. Absolutely, you, you might get a first round talent. You might get a guy like Randy Gregory who's out of the league in six months or a right. year. Um, it, it could go either way, but there's no question he's a big time talent, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where some team takes a flyer on him. My guess is one of those compensatory picks towards the end of the third round. Right. Okay. Because you know the listen you talk about him, he kind of reminds me of uh, an Alex Brown that the Bears got many years ago in the draft. And, and as far as talent was concerned, everyone thought that Brown should have gone higher than he did. The Bears were able to pick him up in the fourth round because of there were some character issues or some uh, personal problems that uh, led his draft, draft stock to fall. And he turned out to prove all the experts right about his talent level and having a solid NFL career. 
And it's a good pedigree. I mean, LSU knows what it's doing when it comes to defense. Sure. Uh, I mean, even guy like Barkevius Bingo, who I think most consider to be a bust, he's still playing in the NFL, uh, you know, half a decade or more later. And that's one of the, the quote-unquote failures. So um, you usually can't go wrong with those LSU players, but you're going to have to really do your due diligence with Arden Key and get to know him and his support system and, and figure out if he's going to be a fit for you, uh, both on the field but especially off the field and in your locker room. Right. Now, to transition over to my beloved uh, Chicago Bears, um, you know, your, your, your mock draft just came out on, on Wednesday, and it just so happened that the Bears made an interesting decision on Wednesday not to re-sign or not to match the offer that Cameron Meredith received from the New Orleans Saints. So the offer sheet has Meredith. He's going two years, roughly $10 million to New Orleans. And the reason I bring it up is, you know, when the offseason began, the Bears were taking Calvin Ridley at number eight. Now, for one reason or another, Calvin Ridley has fallen down the board. He would be a stretch at number eight. Maybe it was a stretch at the beginning of the whole process, but from what I hear, the combine didn't go well for him, and, and not to mention that he's already like, 23 years old, if not older than that kind of thing. Things kind of stacked up against Ridley. He's falling down the board, so the Bears aren't thinking wide receiver in the first round, and they got a ton of help in, uh, in free agency. Um, would the Cameron Meredith move you know, that the Bears did not make, they ended up losing. Now that's a hole in the offense again, that we don't have a number two. Does that at all change the strategy of what the Bears might do earlier? Since they don't have a third round pick, if they don't get a receiver in the second round, they have to wait all the way to the fourth round to be able to have a chance at one. Do you think that that move at all changes what the Bears might be doing from the second round at least? It could, and not in round one, but I think round two, absolutely. And that's going to be a good range to get a receiver. Uh, and you talked about Calvin Ridley. Didn't have an awful combine, just nothing special. I mean, he ran four fours. He was fine. There's just He's not Calvin Johnson. He's not A.J. Green. He's not Julio Jones. He's not a top ten pick. And uh, I've compared him all along to a poor man, Zamari Cooper, and probably more of a number two target at the next level. And I still think he comes up the board somewhere in the back half of the, the first round, but um, definitely not the, t- the top 10 overall type of talent. But And that's why I've said if I needed a receiver this year, I think I'd be par- targeting someone like, say, DJ Chark from LSU in round two, who I think has number one wideout type of upside, or even Equinemius St. Brown from Notre Dame in round three, two guys who I think were really hindered by issues at the quarterback position uh, that that caused them not to put up the type of numbers that they're capable of. So, uh, and, and there's reasons they're going to be available in the second or third round as well, but there's also high upside with both of those guys. And those are just a couple examples. Uh, James Washington from Oklahoma State is going to be a good receiver somewhere in round two, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I think round two, the Bears could should be thinking about it, and and there should be no, at they're picking at number thirty nine overall. I can't imagine there'd be more than two or three off the board by that point. So they should be able to get a good one if that's the route they want to go. You think a guy like Christian Kirk would be available at thirty nine? Quite possibly, he'd be one of those guys in that mix, and uh, uh, very much a slot type of receiver. He's built like a running back. He's extremely dangerous after the catch. So, yeah, absolutely. Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore from Maryland, um, DJ Chark from LSU, um, James Washington, Oklahoma State. I think that would kind of be the player pool you'd be looking at, at if you're going to take one at 39. So the uh, you know, like I mentioned before, it, it the the rumors are that the Bears want either Nelson or Ward. Uh, at number eight is there a better secondary person at number eight that could be available you think the Bears should be after it's not even a better secondary person I think my alternative would be if Nelson wasn't there I'd be looking at a linebacker I think I'd look at uh, either Roquan Smith from Georgia if he's there or Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech who might actually be the best 
better fit between those two linebackers. Of course, he's been compared to Brian Urlacher. That's a that, that, those are that's that's high comparison, but. Yeah. I think he'd look really good opposite Leonard Floyd and a guy who's just 19 years old still. He's not going to turn 20 until after the draft and um, is as much upside as just about any player in this draft, just dri- dripping potential. So I guess he'd probably be my plan B for the Bears there if Nelson was off the board. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I just Denzel Ward, I, I, I like him. He's a very good player, but he's not as, he's not Marshawn Lattimore from last year. Um, you know, you hear comparisons to players like uh, uh, a healthy Jason Verrett or or Pac-Man Jones or Vernon Hargraves, who struggled to this point in his career. I just don't know if that's the type of upside I'm looking to get if I'm the Bears at number eight overall. So um, what, tell me about, like, looking at your, your mock draft, uh, it, it was, um, it was uh, interesting how it turned out because you have Nelson at eight and then 39, I believe you had Lorenzo Carter uh, from University of Georgia. And the the reason that it was interesting to me is that I read an article the other day that said, you know, Mel, in Mel Kuyper's opinion, this would be an A-plus first two rounds for the Bears was Quentin Nelson and Lorenzo Carter. So tell me more about oh. Lorenzo Carter. Nice. Mel, Mel's the godfather, so I'm keeping good company with him. I like that. <laughs> uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, and the, the Bears have already showed they like players like Lorenzo Carter when they when they took Leonard Floyd. I mean, uh, there's some similarities there. Both just really long, rangy athletes. Athletes they got long arms, uh, and I think Lorenzo Carter has some untapped pass rush potential. Potential. He wasn't really necessarily allowed to to pin his ears back and, and come off the edge as much as. Um, he probably would have liked to in college, but he moves well in space. He's got good range. So uh, I definitely think linebacker, as I talked about, with maybe a possibility in the first round, I, I clearly think that's a, a big need that they need to address. And Lorenzo Carter there, he might not even be there at the, number 39. He could come off the board late in the first round. And that's the thing to keep in mind, such a little difference between being a late first, early to mid-second rounder. And, and in my last mock draft now, I had guys – that some people are talking about his potential first-round picks going as low as, I think, 55 overall. So um, the Bears should be able to get a really good player there at 39, regardless of what direction they want to go. They should be getting someone that, has at least at one point in time, was in the first-round discussion. Right. I, I always check out your mock drafts anyway, but that link that you put out on Twitter basically saying that was what made me read it almost immediately where you said you had first round guys going in the 50s i was like well this i gotta see i was like who's the first round guy that's going 50 something in the second uh second round because i know the bears are picking at 39 so maybe we could get two first round picks for a second round price absolutely and there's a lot of them i mean reading off some of the names in my my second round mock will hernandez maurice hurst isaiah Wynn, uh sony michelle lorenzo carter i mean you know on and on i mean all throughout the, the the 30s the 40s and into the 50s it's a uh, and it's like that most years uh you know and, and part of that i think is guys get overhyped there's only 32 first round picks and some of these guys were never necessarily first round picks but uh, i think it goes to show that even if you're not a first round pick there's nothing wrong with being a second or third round pick those are still really really good players and uh and that's why those picks are so valuable that's why the, the colts uh, wanted those 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 second round picks from the Jets in the trade. Uh, they are going to load up, and and I talked about all the other teams that have multiples in that round: the Browns, the Patriots, uh, the Bills. So um, th- they are set up to to do some work. Now you mentioned overhyped players. When it's shift back to general NFL draft talk for a second, I like to ask this question, and it, it's 
Is there anybody in this draft that you can't see what the big deal is with this person? Like you, you see other people have him going top mid first round or something like that, and you're you're dead set on this guy's maybe a day two player at best, and people have him going night one in the first round. Is there anybody like that on the board or someone in that area that has you know maybe even they're saying he's a second or a third round guy when you have him you know late late day three maybe even undrafted free agent type. Yeah, well, and of course, at the top with some of those quarterbacks, that's definitely the case. Josh Allen, to a certain degree, although I can understand how you can kind of talk yourself into him uh, because of the, just the immense physical tools. But but Baker Mayfield's one, as I talked about, he's probably going to go in the top five overall, and I have him in my twenty in the twenties. Um, I, I just I just think there's a lot of big red flashing warning signs there with him and you know you hear the comparisons to Johnny Menzel which are probably unfair but there are some similarities as well and 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 to be fair on the other side of the equation you hear comparisons to uh Brett Favre as well which would be the best the best case scenario but uh but he's he's such an outlier and he's so unique in every single way that uh it's it's he's gonna have to really you know, be he's gonna have to pr- go against the grain in a lot of different ways to fulfill t- the expectations. So, so that's definitely one that stands out near the top of the draft. But uh, you know, later on, I don't know if there's anybody that just screams to me this year that oh, he should be way, way higher, especially late rounds, because there. Once again, you, you get into day three picks, and even it, it, there's such a fine line uh, it separating them as it is. Uh, I'm just actually taking a peek at my rankings right now and and trying to find a good example for you. Um, you know, I'm intrigued by Bo Scarborough from Alabama, uh, the running back. Okay. Yeah, there was a there was a six game stretch uh, his sophomore year, which was two, not last season but the season before, where he was just uh, a man possessed, and he, he didn't show that this past season. But boy, I mean that if, that if that was a glimpse of what he's capable of, and you can get him maybe in the fourth or fifth round, I, I think he's going to be really intriguing in that range. So so he's kind of a, a bigger name that, that that jumps out to me. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Um, and you know what? Shaquem Griffin, <laughs> I love Shaquem Griffin. Uh, I'm rooting for him, but it's gotten to the point where he's probably a little overrated. Uh, I think he's probably going to go on day two of the draft. And, I mean, I've heard as high as the second round. I think he's certainly going to go in the third round now. And I love him. I'm rooting for him. But, it, it, I mean, there's a very good chance that he ends up being a very good backup linebacker and special teamer in the NFL, which is a valuable player. I want him on my team in round four or five. I'll bang the table for him. But in the top three rounds, I, I'm, I want more in a top three-round pick, a top 100 pick. So, so Shaquem Griffin, as much as I'm rooting for him and love him as a person, I'm not sure I would take him in the top three rounds. Like It looks like he's probably going to go. Right. And who are, who are your, your small school guys? Um, you know, last year the Bears – Drafted a few of them. <laughs> uh, they drafted, uh, you know, Tariq Cohen. They drafted Adam Shaheen. These are, you know, guys that were in, you know, either lower level school. Actually, they're both lower level schools, aren't they? North Carolina A and T yep. and uh, where did Shaheen come from again? Ashland. Ashland. That's it. Yeah, Ashland. I'd never <laughs> heard of that place before, but here he is, our second round pick, uh, kind of thing. So, who are some of your higher high end uh, small school guys? I think. I think your number one would probably be the tight end from South Dakota or South Dakota State. That's correct. Dallas Goddard, tight end from South Dakota State. Uh, he's the top tight end. Uh, and he's going to be a top 50 pick, maybe late first rounder. But uh, I guess the small school prospect that I would highlight uh, is Nathan Shepard, the defensive tackle from Fort A's State. Uh, he was a revelation at the Senior Bowl. Unfortunately, he got hurt later in the week, but he had done more than enough um, and also had a really good show at the Combine. 
just an impressive physical specimen, a little older. He's 25 years old. He took a couple years off from college to go home and, and help his family. And during the season, I, I remember I had to contact the school because I was trying to input his career stats, and he just disappeared for a couple years. So I had to, to, to actually pick up the phone and call in to figure out what happened. So uh, that, that stuck in my memory. So he's been on my radar for a while because of that. But um, he's going to be a top 100 pick. I think he's going to go in the second or third round, and he probably helped himself as much as any prospect, big school or small school, uh, the last few months. Now, to kind of backtrack a little bit, you know, we've already started talking about the Bears and where you think they're going to be going uh, with their picks and all, but what what do you think their needs are? Because this is actually something that Bear fans can't seem to agree upon uh, this year. Where last year it was kind of blatantly obvious where the Bears should go and where the help was. This time. You know, well, we have Trubisky, so our quarterback riddle has been solved, or at least so we think. Uh, anyway, we went out and we spent a ton of money on wide receivers and tight ends to get offensive weapons for him to throw to this year. So that's not really the biggest need this year. A lot of people want to argue about whether or not offensive line is as important as it's being treated in some mock drafts with the Bears picking uh, Nelson in the top 10 and, 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 and what have you. So what do you think the top needs for the Bears actually are this year? Yeah, I think there's some validity, though, to that statement about offensive linemen not necessarily being a top 10 overall priority. But like Quentin Nelson's a rare prospect, and if you have a chance at him, I mean, they, they could use him. There's no doubt. I think offensive guard would probably be in my top four to five deeds for them, but it's not flashing, glaring need. Quentin Nelson's just too good of a prospect to pass up. But uh, we talked about linebacker. That's one that really stands out for me. I think they need to bring in uh, some upgrades there, uh, especially in terms of the pass rushers. Uh, I, I still think they need to bring in another receiver, uh, and, and maybe as early as the second round, like we said, but but certainly I think the middle rounds, they should bring in another pass catcher, and, and then cornerback is the other area. Uh, I think they're okay with the starters, but they could use some depth there. Uh, I just don't know if it would be, I, I really like Denzel Ward. He's a really good player, but to me, if you're taking a cornerback in the top 10 overall, you want to see a potential elite shutdown guy, and and I don't see that type of upside, even in a best-case scenario with Denzel Ward. He's going to be a really good player. He's 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 small, but he's tough. He's feisty. He'll tackle. Uh, he's a good all-around player, but, you know, is he going to be Deion Sanders or, or Darrell Revis in his prime? No. You know, I've, I've, I've been taking an interesting approach to this year's draft as far as the Bears. Uh, are concerned. I've I, I voiced my opinions on who I like, um, who would be great if the Bears could take anybody type scenario. If it was up to the Bears, like for some reason they get to pick first, even at number eight, this is who they get uh, kind of thing. Names like Nelson or God forbid, you know, with the run that some people are expecting on quarterbacks, could Bradley Chubb still be there at eight? Obviously, we don't think that's possible, but anything ha- can happen in the in the draft, I've I've been a fan of a lot of names that I've seen the Bears associated with, but I'm I'm staying away from this is the guy I want or this is the guy I don't want because the last two years especially I've gotten smoked because two years ago <laughs> the one person I did not want the Bears to draft and this was more about this had nothing to do with Leonard Floyd personally but more to do with what the Bears just got done dealing with was that kind of undersized pass rusher we just gotten rid of Shea McClellan who was a disaster. For the Bears, and 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 in his defense, was played out of position his entire career uh, in yep. Chicago. But you know, another undersized, like underweight pass rusher, the guy did not want was Leonard Floyd. And not only did the Bears draft him, we traded up to get him. 
<laughs> and then last year, based on the offseason, where we got no offensive weapons, no offensive help, nobody for our quarterback, no matter who it was to throw to, the last thing I wanted the Bears to do was draft a quarterback. And not only did we draft one, we traded up to get the quarterback. So this year, I'm staying away from saying anything. Like, I don't want them taking this guy. I definitely want them taking that guy because I just know it'll blow up in my face. And, um, you know, it, it, it's not really a question, but just more of an opinion that I'm sharing that, you know, the NFL draft is such a crazy thing that even my own team, you know, always has me on roller skates as far as trying to figure out what it is they're going to do. No question. It's a crapshoot. And, and I, I'm vividly reminded of that every year when it comes to final mock draft time because in the grand scheme of things, final mock draft, it's so unimportant. But at the same time, it's, it's, I do get judged on it. And people look back and see how I do. So I, 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 I probably uh, agitate over it more than I should. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, I, I'm still not sold on him personally. Anybody who followed my site knows I had him as a – I think in the 40s last year in my overall <laughs> rankings. So uh, I'm still quite dubious of Mitchell Trubisky, but this is going to be a big season for him. Uh, I, I applaud them for going out and, and getting him some people to throw to. I think there's more work to be done, but uh, I think the best thing they could do for Mitchell Trubisky is go out and, and, and get him Quentin Nelson to, to neutralize guys like Sheldon Richardson and Linval Joseph. Right. I'm in agreement there. I do like Nelson. In perfect scenario, that is the guy that I would think the Bears would should uh, should go after. But I'm not going to give it my own personal stamp. Like, this is the Larry D special. This is the guy who I want because then he'll go number one overall. The Bears won't even have a shot at him. So uh, well, I'm staying away from it this year. I got a question for you now, then, since they seem to take your worst-case scenario. What would be your worst-case scenario? You know, and that's the thing about this year's draft. Uh, you know, all the times, like like last year, I could not be irritated enough when I see the Bears, as, as good as he was for Houston, uh, taking Deshaun Watson. It's like, West. It, and it wasn't about the, the, the player. It was more about the position. It's like quarterback is the last thing we should be doing because I've always envisioned as a fan my whole life that the Bears are more of a team that builds the team up and then adds the quarterback as the final piece. And that's kind of what I thought that Fox and, and Pace were doing. And then instead, we jumped way to the end. We went and got the quarterback, and we had no pieces to surround him with. And so last year was all about the quarterbacks, and it was always get irritated when I would see the Bears taking one there and this year it's more like yeah Denzel Ward I could see that you know maybe more of a depth player at this point since we brought Amukamura and Kyle Fuller back or insurance because Amukamura missed some games last year with injury and that's kind of his mo that's why he's on his fourth NFL team or whatever it is for him uh, and things like that we could use some help at corner Derwin James I've heard some of that it's like that one kind of makes me scratch my head a lot because you know our safeties were really good for us uh, last year so maybe you know that's not you know, too crazy, but I, you know, it hasn't really seen anyone that comes out and be like, no, God, why would the Bears do that? I haven't really seen that player this year, which is why I've kind of been against, you know, putting my own personal stamp on somebody that I don't want to see. In, in this case, I guess it would be more of a, a personal thing as opposed to a, a positional thing like this guy I absolutely do not want. And I really don't have that guy on the board for me this year. Watch after all this, after all these months, it's, they end up taking Calvin Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I guess maybe that would be the guy at this point at number eight when everyone t was like, th I guess then my point would be not so much upset that we got Calvin Ridley, but more so like, isn't this one of those things where we could have traded down with Arizona to like 15 and still gotten Cal yeah. Calvin Ridley type thing? It's like, you know, it would be more I'm upset that they're reaching for Calvin Ridley than, um, than the fact that we actually got him. Uh, in the first place so I guess that would probably be the 
the the name if if uh, if you had a gun to my head i'm like who don't i want the bears to take at number eight i guess calvin ridley would be that person but if we got him at 15 i don't think i would have a problem with that at all how about leighton vanderesh is a real wild card you know yeah, Some there it is that's the name okay there it is another <laughs> boise state linebacker that is, I, somebody mocked him to the Bears at eight, and I was through the roof when I saw that. Thank you, Scott, for bringing that up. That's what I don't want to see is this guy that I've never heard of because that's that always happens, always happens to me. I mean, like, think unfortunately, the Bears have been picking very high in the draft, so most of the guys that they're taking have been high, you know, profile names or household names, if you will, in the draft. But it always seems to happen. That we get to the Bears. I mean, it even happened with Kyle Long. I had no idea who Kyle Long was until the Bears picked him. I was thinking, we're thinking Tyler Eifert or something like that that year. And instead, Kyle Long. I was like, who the hell is Kyle Long? I've never heard of this guy before. We're taking him with the first pick in the draft. That's the kind of thing the Bears have always done to me on draft day. So they find a way to burn me no matter what my intentions are. You got to set up a camera for the Bears pick just on the off chance they do take Leighton Vander Esch so we can uh, see a reaction. Well, you need to listen to the show, Scott, because you'll sh- go back and hear. It's in the archives. What I do um, during NFL games, during when the Bears are playing, between each quarter, I record a segment called the Knee Jerk Reaction where I basically break down what's just happened in the last 15 minutes. And last year I did Knee Jerk Reactions for the draft, and I was not a happy guy. When I announced that the Bears had not only trade, not only drafted a quarterback, but we traded up and gave away our third round pick to get Mitch Trubisky, so I was not happy about that uh, when the Bears did it. So, listen to the to the uh, draft review show, which I hope to have you back for in a couple of weeks. That will be part of it. Will be my knee jerk reactions to this year's draft. And if Van Der Esch comes off the board to Chicago at number eight, expect hellfire and brimstone. I'll be looking forward to that. I'll, I'll secretly, in the back of my mind, be rooting for that to happen, just so, <laughs> just to make your head explode. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, that would not be good. I, I just like I know nothing about the player. I just know that uh, you know I've not seen that guy anywhere near number eight in any mock draft on the board, and yet this particular uh, you know expert or what have you uh, decided that that was the guy the Bears had to have at number eight. So I. That was uh, upsetting to me, but Some, something like that's going to happen, though. That, that's the great thing about the oh, draft. sure, sure. And, and that's the thing; it's not even something that we can come up with as we're trying to think of possibilities, because then it wouldn't be a surprise, right? It's got to right. be something completely off the radar, and um, you know that's the fun of it. But uh, late, Vanderesh is going to go early. He's not escaping the top twenty, right? Well, one last thing I wanted to ask you, and it's about Tremaine Edmonds, and you mentioned him before about being the bookend to. A Leonard Floyd when I've heard a lot of people saying that he would probably start at the inside spot and then possibly move outside right. because he's he's more of an inside linebacker at Virginia Tech is that how you would see it going down with him like if maybe the first year or two he's standing side by side with Danny Trevathan but then eventually or maybe the Bears you know like certainly like sprinkle him out there from time to time just to see and test the waters yeah he's certainly capable of it uh, although I, I think on third downs, you want him on the outside because he's got that tremendous burst off the edge and that pass rush ability, just extraordinarily productive, making big plays behind the line of scrimmage. So you wouldn't want that necessarily to be wasted. Not that there aren't opportunities to blitz up the middle as well, but but that's one of his uh, selling points is that versatility, not only in terms of inside or outside, but 4-3, four, 3-4. Three, three, four, um, he, he's, he's a Swiss Army knife. He is going to be a fit regardless of what type of scheme you run. So um, there, there's a lot of reasons to get excited about Tremaine Edmonds. Okay. All right. Now, I think I've asked you this before. I don't know if I've ever asked you on the show. Do you have a dog in this race with the NFL, or are you a college guy? 
I'm a college guy. Notre Dame is the one team I live and die with. Um, in the NFL, I follow the Vikings, just being a lifelong Minnesotan. All my friends are Vikings fans. Okay. I, I follow them a little closer than most, and always nice to root for the home team. But I, I don't. I, I, I'm just as comfortable watching a, a Cardinals Rams games on Sunday. So yeah, just NFL. Just uh, I'm just a fan of the NFL as a whole, and, and the draft in particular. But uh, the Fighting Irish, they're my team. Right. So I mean, so it's there's no bias in the fact that you put a Notre Dame guy at number one on the board. No, 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 I, and I don't think so. I'm not alone. I was glad that I wasn't alone on that. I'm glad others have him so highly rated because I was concerned about that too. And uh, but no, fortunately, I think others have uh, kind of come around to that too. And uh, he's a special player at that position. Well, you know, I hope that the scenario plays out like you said it did. I, I don't mind. I wouldn't mind at all seeing uh, Quentin Nelson. Uh, land uh, in Chicago that would be awesome uh, if it did and um, you know I don't know much about Lorenzo Carter but what I've learned from you and 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 the little research that I've done on my own it seems like the Bears would be getting a really good player at 39 if he just happened to be there yep absolutely and 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 I think he fits their profile I I I don't think he's obviously as good as Leonard Floyd but a similar type of skill set great well Scott thanks so much uh, for for your time thanks so much for for coming on back uh we look to have you back in a couple of weeks after the draft to kind of review it all, and uh, maybe I'll even play the uh, segment for you if Van Der Esch comes off the board for the Bears at number eight so you can hear me screaming uh, into my little mini recorder <laughs> that I do it on. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have you back on, and uh, we'll compare notes and see how it all went down. Can't wait. Scott Wright, it's NFL Draft Countdown. or is it, No, it's just DraftCountdown.com. You dropped the NFL, right? That was in the beginning. Yeah, either one will get you there. I still have both okay. domains. But, yeah, draftcountdown.com. Okay, well, because, you know, I just was thinking about it the other day, Scott. I've, I've had you on one podcast or another for the last 11 years. 2007 was the first time that we had you, myself and Ryan Simmons, if you remember my old friend, sure. uh, had you on the show uh, when we were talking about Jamarcus Russell being the number one overall pick to the Raiders uh, back in 2007. That was the first show that we had you on. And here we are, 2018, uh, still hanging out and talking to NFL Draft. It's been great. Time flies, man. Here's to another 15 or whatever it is. Amen to that. From your lips to God's ears. Scott Wright, DraftCountdown.com. It's at DraftCountdown on uh, Twitter. Uh, do you do Instagram or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram at DraftCountdown. Uh, one thing I'd mention, though, is go to my main page, and there's a, a little input box where you can enter your email address, sign up for the free weekly uh, newsletter, I'm really focusing on that. I'm putting out exclusive information and analysis in there every week, so uh, be sure to sign up for that. I got some fun stuff planned. All right. And you're doing a podcast now, right? Or you, you know what? I it? haven't been doing the podcast regularly. I, I just my, I get in my fill talking to guys like you, so uh, I, I just haven't been doing the podcast. been focusing on the site and the newsletter and Twitter. All right. So there you have it. Scott Wright, he'll be back in a few weeks to help us run it down, and uh, he'll maybe maybe have to talk us off the ledge on Van Der Esch being a pick by the Bears at number eight. Now that we've talked about it so much, damn it, Scott, we've, we've talked it into reality, and I'll curse your existence if that happens uh, at the draft. But thanks so much for, uh, for coming on. We'll talk to you again real soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always a great time having Scott Wright on the show. We look forward to having him back in a couple of weeks to uh, 
to recap the draft and, and, and what happened. Were there surprises? How many surprises were there? What's his batting average looking like now with, uh, with you know, what did he get right and what did he get wrong? Uh, and everything in between, who made the surprising trades, who made the, the draft move that he didn't see coming, and how well did the Bears do? Did they make the right moves? Did they get the right guys um, to help them succeed in 2018 and beyond? So I look forward to having Scott Wright back to uh, to have that conversation, to dig into it, and uh, to see if there's going to be a hellfire and brimstone knee-jerk reaction for him to listen to um, after the Bears make their picks on the 26th and 27th, 28th. Uh, of this month so less than two weeks away i'm excited i'm really looking forward to this year's draft as you guys heard me talk about you know there's been a lot of uh, mock drafts and there seems to be somebody different in just about everyone's draft i mean it's usually the same four or five players you get quentin nelson in there uh tremaine edmonds uh you see uh, denzel ward i've seen minka Fitzpatrick from time to time things like that so there's always kind of this little rotation of players that the bears end up taking in there and i did see that van der Esch thing and it blew my mind it's like who is this okay maybe he's a first round guy but eight for the bears no way god help me i hope that does not happen so i mean you know, i've just kind of got a you know my 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 tongue is sour i do not have a taste for boise state players uh, right now, so I don't want the Bears dipping into that pool again. All due respect to that kid, I'm sure he'll have a great career uh, in the NFL. Um, and if the Bears do it, I hope that it's because we traded down with with Buffalo and we got their 12th and 21st or 22nd pick and we took him with 22 just to add to our linebacking core and things like that. If we ended up with Van Der Esch, that's where the, that's the scenario where that would be okay with me. We got him at 20 where Scott Wright and other experts have him in the 20s, not picking him as the crown jewel at number eight when there were moves down to be made that we could have acquired extra picks and things like that. So um, look forward to that. And uh, from what I hear, uh, the NFL schedule is coming out this week. It, it said the week of the 16th, which is this Monday. So um, maybe we'll be right back uh, on uh, you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere in that area to uh, go over this schedule and what is the road that the Bears and, and Matt Nagy in his first year as head coach, what is the year that they will have to, to navigate? Will the Bears finally get a, a start to the season where it automatically doesn't look like, well, well, we're starting 0-3, 0-4, like we have the last couple of years. Will we be able to come out and be like, you know, week one for the Bears? I like that. The Bears can get off on the good foot there. Will we start at home? Will we be on the road? Are we going to be on national TV at all, aside from the obligatory Thursday night and, you know, the Bears get thrown a Monday night bone from time to time? Will we see this team on Sunday night football as a plan, as opposed to getting flexed into it or anything like that? Tons of things to, to answer. Um, we know who the Bears are playing. Now we just get to figure out when. It's uh, the NFC West and the AFC East. So the 49ers, Rams, um, Seahawks, and Cardinals, along with the Patriots, the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins to go along with our six divisional games and the, I believe, the Buccaneers. Yeah, the Bucks and the Giants are our same place opponents this year who are the other fourth place finishers in their respective divisions this season so we know who our opponents are it's just a matter of when are we actually going to get to play some of these guys are they coming and you know we actually even know where we're playing them this so there's no question about are they coming to us are we going to them we know we're playing the game we're home for tampa on the road for the giants everything else has uh, kind of been decided over time so we'll find out when those games are taking place and um have some fun with that any other news and notes coming out of hallis hall uh, through there but that's the show between now and the draft is probably sometime next week 
the NFL draft will come out, or excuse me, the NFL schedule, the 2018 regular season schedule will come out, and um, you know we'll uh, we'll get together and uh, we'll we'll find out what's going on with the Bears and, and the road they have to navigate to have any kind of success. Uh, in 2018 so um, that is going to do it for the 2018 NFL draft preview episode of the Chicago Bears review stay tuned on social media at shy Bears review on Twitter we got the Chicago Bears review Facebook page and uh, even though I never use it I'm also on, on Insta- I never use the Instagram page it's like very few and far between that I actually use the uh, Instagram page but uh, it's out there so if you want to look at it feel free you'll mostly see the the thumbnails from last year's shows that's the Instagram account but um, anyway we'll be back next week stay tuned on the Twitter and on Facebook to find out when the uh, the, the NFL release schedule or schedule release show will be coming out so until then my name is Larry D and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.